0: Schedulicity has done it once again. They, uh, uh, in addition to their five thousand dollar a month grant that they give to a barber or to a hairstylist, um, they just uh, they just made it so it's a little bit easier to make some money.
1: Yeah, I mean they uh, came out with a credit card processing uh, payment system called Schedulicity Pays. It's
0: pretty exciting, right? I mean, like they're offering it uh, they're offering credit card processing for one point nine nine percent or ten cents a, a swipe, but.
1: And what's cool about thats That they'll get, even give you a uh, free uh, card reader. That's unheard of, right? Because I know I paid like a bunch of money for mine. Yeah, you know. So they're going to give it to you free, and then only charge you one point nine nine per- percent with uh, ten cent a swipe fee, right? Yeah, you
0: can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. I um, and also, what's really cool too is it works within your Schedule City app, so you don't even have to leave the app or use a different um, like app outside of outside of the uh, you know the the
1: the already app, right? Yeah, you just stay in one platform. That's Can't a, get easier than that either. I'm like...
0: <laughs> I know, right? And you can uh, manage all your, uh, all your papers right through there, right? Yeah, all your inventory and everything.
1: It, You know, all major credit cards are accepted.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the best part, which is also what makes Schedulicity incredible, is their their customer service, or as I like to be called... The Rockstars. The Rockstars. So you still have the love, same... Love, the rock
1: stars. the Rockstars. The
0: Rockstars are are the difference makers in this company, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah.
0: Um and so you still get that uh, that that same service with them. Um, so I mean,
1: literally getting paid just got a little bit better. Yeah. And then for uh, more information, just visit SchedulicityCares.com dot com to find out uh, more information on getting paid. Schedule cares.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
0: Hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Cory. Of course, it's my best bud,
1: Tone. What's up, man? What's happening, brother? You, man. Man, I, dude, I am so excited for today. Yeah. The dude that we're talking to, man. He, I mean, not only does he talk inspiration, he lives it. Absolutely. Um, uh, Today, we're talking to
0: um, uh, uh, Tyreek Jackson. And, you know, we're always excited to talk about Tyreek. And, and I follow him at least weekly because every Tuesday morning, he does uh, Tuesdays with Tyreek or Tuesday talk with Tyreek.
1: Oh um, on Instagram, yeah. and and he's just always giving, leaving knowledge. Yeah, and, and the people that I, I mean, I kid you not, I'm inspired every time I listen to this guy. Agreed. Every time I watch his videos, and he had this one particular video uh, where he was with uh, a a bunch of kids, and he he asked who's the fastest, and so he, this one kid raised his hands. He said, "Okay," and he had like three or four volunteers to come up, and uh, so he told his volunteers. To hold this kid right since so he's the fastest and they raced and i guess the they kid raced tyreek raced him yeah tyreek raced him and tyreek smoked him because the kid couldn't even get out of his tracks because he was being held back but by the other kids yeah but he had a a uh, message of that and it was an image for those young boys that that uh it kind of left a, a a positive impression because uh-huh. you know it, it talked about obstacles and stuff like that but we'll let tyreek tell we'll the story tell, yeah, <laughs> yeah let's because, do that but um, yeah, so we're going to get into it today, and it's about change your position by changing your thinking. Mm. And uh, I mean, I, I kid you not, and I say this sometimes, but I really mean it. When I sit and listen to this guy talk, <laughs> I feel like I'm at church. Bring in the church. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah he, he
0: does. definitely he, You know what? It. He does deliver it like a pastor. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You, in your end. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. He just yeah. has this uh perfect way. He must have gone to like, uh like I don't know, like pastor school or something. Because he just knows how to Bible hold the college. conversation. Yeah, Bible college. Exactly. Right. Well, let's get in with Mr. Bible college. So, Mr. Tariq Jackson, welcome back to uh, your day off.
2: Oh, well, thank you, man. It's awesome to be here. Um, it's funny you mentioned church. Um, I think my lives is probably the only church that some of the barbers in our industry will ever go to. Um, you know, some of them probably don't relate to pastors and spiritual living and, they probably didn't have fathers in their lives. Uh, not everyone. I'm just saying they may not have had that male influence. And, then you know, church is just not an option. So I think listening to my lives gives them some insight on some game that maybe they just weren't privy to growing up. And, uh, yeah, it's all about critical thinking.
1: Man, dude, I, I, in our intro, I kid you not, I, I truly, truly respect what you're doing and how you're doing it, man.
2: Thank you, man. I appreciate it.
1: You, you know, we heard your version, Tariq.
0: I, I want to hear your version. Tell, tell us about that video that you, that you, that you, uh, that you put up.
2: Uh, the one with the kids. So, uh, I've been going into um, <clears throat> high schools, junior high schools, um, adjudicated youth facilities, and I was actually introduced to the adjudicated youth facilities because I was cutting hair. The barbershop that I worked at went and serviced um, a community where kids were locked up for just infractions and little things, you know. And so it was like a place where they would go and and get training on how to just deal with life. And so while I was there, I was still a young bar. I was like 18, 19 years old. And I'm looking at these kids, 16, 17, some kids with Grand Theft Auto, some kids with attempted murder. And I'm like, how does this happen? And So So these are like your
0: peers then at 19, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they were a little bit younger, but yeah, still in the peer, like high school, just graduating from high school. Anyone who was 18, they weren't there. So under 18, uh, they were there, anywhere from 12 to about 17. But to hear how they were thinking and what they were doing in their processes, um, I, I was challenged to go in and just my message by while I was cutting their hair, gave them a little bit of encouragement, made them feel good. And it made me feel good. And I was like, how else can I help? you know, so that somebody in my community doesn't end up in one of those facilities. And so I would go to the schools for career day. Uh, I would go there to talk to the kids about choices. And it took a while. Now I do like all out assemblies. That video in particular, how do you create a message to kids? Because I can talk about I own shops and then I own a school. And, you know, I got a, a decent car. I don't have a Ferrari. I got a Toyota. But, you know, some of these kids live in homes where there is no car. So, you know, I got a car or I might have some cool sneakers or whatever. And how do you change them, uh, uh, their thinking and understanding that it's also possible for them? One, I had to identify with them. And so I grew up in that high school, like where that high school was. My grandma lived a block away. My other grandma lived about five blocks away. I went to a different high school. I mean, junior high and high school. But I lived there all summer. I was in that area. So I knew the area well. When I started naming streets and saying things, you could see the kids like, oh, yeah, he like, he's he." Know. so I had to relate with them. I had to connect with them. Right. first. Then I had to tell them my mom didn't have a car. I had to tell them that when I was in 10th grade, my 10th grade English teacher didn't believe in my dream. When I told him I wanted to be a barber, he thought I should be a writer. I said, uh, no, I'm going to be a barber. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to be a writer. It's just that's what I want to do. And he Mm -hmm. thought that my dream was stupid. He said, you're so smart. You're so talented. You have all these gifts, but you want to be a barber? He liked the way he said it. If I didn't have a strong sense of self-awareness, I would have believed him the first time he said that to me. Mm -hmm. Because he would know better. He's an adult who went to college. He's got a great job. But I knew what I wanted. And my dream was big enough for me. It may not have been big enough for him. It was big enough for me. And in that whole story, what I had mentioned to them was, Uh, That was in that was in 1993 when my English teacher told me no, that my dream was too small. In 1996, I opened my first. uh, I mean, I went to I went 95. I went to cosmetologist school. I was already a barber apprentice. Um, 98, I got my license. Uh, I opened my first shop in 2003, and then in 2005, I hired my English teacher's son. No, I promise you. (laughs) Listen, not only did I hire him. He was a college graduate who taught Spanish as a second language. He was African-American. Wow. And and so that was in 05. And I will tell you in about 07, uh, my English teacher came into the school and he said, I want to tell you something. You're the first kid I've ever had in my life and all my years of teaching that did exactly what he said he was going to do and then some. And so I was telling the kids it doesn't matter who says your dream's not big enough. It's your dream. So I had them do this exercise where they had to write down what their goals and you could see one kid like looking over us. I said, ah, ah, no, 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 no. Don't be looking at his dream and thinking you want to write something because it's cool too. That's his dream. Remember, my teacher said my dream wasn't big enough for me, but it wasn't because that's not what he wanted. He was looking at mine saying it wasn't good enough for him. And so I had to redirect that thinking And then what Mm. I did with that visual was let's get these kids up here. I need the fastest kid because everyone knows who the fastest in school is in the classroom. Right. So can you beat me? And he looked, the kid, the kid was funny. He looked at me like, you're a little old. Yeah. I can. (laughs) So, so, but what he didn't know is what I knew. And what I knew is I had the game stacked. So, so I had the other kids become the distractions. So one kid was, his, his his single dad who's never been in his life. Another kid was maybe his grandma who said, you're not going to be nothing because your daddy wasn't nothing. Maybe the one person holding his ankles was the teacher who said, your dream isn't big enough. So all of those different people holding them back represented something that was going to keep him from trying to achieve his goal. That's it. The goal was to finish, to beat me. Now, what I didn't show in the video, and I have a few more videos that are going to follow it, was, I ran the race and I beat him. But what I did do is I came back. Not only did I come back, I came to take off some of those distractions. Not only did I take those distractions off, then I helped encourage him and cheer him on as he began to run. There was a period where he was fighting and I told him, don't quit. Keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. And so there's a couple different messages within that one illustration. But the most powerful thing is that the kid who was fighting will never forget that moment the kids who were also holding him back will remember that they may have been a distraction and they'll look at different distractions in their life. I can't save all of them. I, I don't, I can't say that I can help, but I definitely helped to change their thinking. Um, the school obviously loved it and they actually scheduled out for 2020. I'm going to be doing all the junior high schools and the high schools, the first time ever that they've allowed this to happen. So I'm going to do full out auditoriums and 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 pack the house and then one school in particular said you're going to do the the the, the big message and the, and then we'll bring you back for two three more times and do the individual training for the critical thinking so it's just going to be a powerful time
1: dude that is that's phenomenal it really really is
0: i i kind of feel like we can like end the podcast now we haven't even gotten <laughs> into it right yeah <laughs> you know it's <That's> a wrap <laughs> Tyreek just it just blows me away you know um again you're living it you yeah, know? And,
1: and I think why it hits home with me because I can relate to that too right mm-hmm. so I, I kind of grew up my, my father took off when I was one right so we grew up very poor we grew up in a very rough you know neighborhood and it just you know I I was just you know, it's kind of, you know, I'm 50 years old and, it, and I still feel like a kid while I'm watching you, and, and it really just rang home. It was just, mm-hmm. it was a beautiful, beautiful thing.
2: Thanks. You know,
0: you know kind of reminded me of, and, and I'm, well, I'm going to take us out the left field because that's what I do. But, you know, when you started talking about, when you talked about yourself and your teacher saying that you weren't, you know, that, that you need to dream bigger, like I remember, I remember in the autobiography of Malcolm X, when he was in fourth grade, he wanted, he told his teacher he wanted to be a lawyer. And, it, and 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 he told him he couldn't be a lawyer because he was African American and it was the nineteen thirties and stuff but how that in that moment he talked about how it how it shifted his life completely and 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 the bad Malcolm little that we knew this is way before he became malcolm x right but the but 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 that Malcolm little that we know um you know the criminal the 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 this the that the all that negativeness in his life happened because his fourth grade teacher told him he couldn't
2: yep but you, you, rec- you, you have people that and that's why I said I had to have a strong sense of self awareness. My mom instilled that in me. You know, um, if if I didn't have that stubborn uh, stubbornness, if you will, of, uh, of of who I was and what I wanted, and you're not gonna, t- I'm gonna do it. I would have believed my teacher. And there's a lot of students who do. They believe their teacher. They believe their pastor. They believe their coach. They believe whoever, and don't pursue their own dream. They don't pursue them. They they follow somebody else's idea of what success looks like. And I didn't care. It didn't matter. Listen, I didn't have anything. I didn't have much. So what was I going to lose? I didn't didn't have nothing to lose. You know, I enjoyed, I wanted to be an art teacher is what it was. I wanted to either sing or do art. It was some sort of art. And the reason why was my art teacher brought the most out of me. And I was like, I think I can do that. And it just, it evolved, you know? And so when I I got introduced to the barbering um, industry, and I think I may have shared that with you with the talent show I did, it it really just opened up a whole nother door that I didn't know existed. And when I Mm -hmm. fell in love and was passionate about it, um, everything just began to, the doors began to align. I repositioned myself. I put myself in a place that I could think different than I did as a kid or than my cousin. My cousin and I were really tight. He actually cut my hair before, I was even thinking about cutting hair. He was so talented. I mean, he was probably the most talented kid I knew. He could play sports. He could do technology. Like, he'd take speakers and motor cars apart and make make stuff out of the equipment that he took from other toys and just build his own. He was awesome. But he just didn't have stick-to-itiveness, and he didn't have self-discipline. He turned to the streets, and that's just not what – it wasn't something that I wanted to do. That article – I mean, the um, the English teacher – mentioned my writing it was because I wrote a piece on um that summer I almost got shot and killed and so I wrote what that experience felt like and it was so descriptive that he was like I think you're a writer no I was just sharing an emotional experience (laughs) 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 that's crazy.
1: that's so 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 let's get back to the topic change your position by changing your thinking Mm -hmm. that's powerful
2: yeah Um, so, (laughs) um, when you ask me that today, I think of a lot of different things. The first thing that comes to mind is my my cousin. I just mentioned my cousin. We're, we're hanging together. We're going to the boys club together. We're fixing bikes together. We're riding skateboards together. We're break dancing. And then we're singing in groups. Like we're doing a lot of the same thing because we hang together. Right. And then he started hanging with a different crowd. And he had the cool sneakers. He had a little bit of money in his pocket. I didn't, you know, and, you know, on one side, I look at it like, dang, man, I want the stuff he has and maybe I should, maybe I should do what he's doing to get it. Right. But I looked past the consequence. I looked past the right now, looked at the consequences. If I wasn't even thinking about the police, if my dad found out, he'd kill me. (laughs) Right. There was a reverent fear. Like I, I, I respected my dad so much that if he would have found out the disappointment, the beating, just I, I, I didn't want to deal with that. Not even the police. It was just my dad. So, um, and my cousin didn't have a concept, But my grandma raised him. His dad really wasn't in his life. Where I, my parents were separated, but I had both parents still, and uh, he had this coddled. Um, Life experience. grandma just kind of took care of him and did whatever she had to do. Well, the big thing was um, I had to think about what would happen in the event of. And I just chose not to. So changing your position. My position was I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to get a beating. If I do what he's doing, I'm going to put myself in a bad position. He dropped out of school at 13, never completed um, um, schooling, went to jail, been in and out of jail, like hindsight. Now you're looking back, he's lived with women. He's lived in different relationships. He's never had anything of his own. I remember when I had bought an infinity, I was like 21 years old. I had an infinity and he came to get a haircut. And he says to me, dang, cause like how you get that? And I was like cutting hair. He was like, no way. He's like, you gotta be hustling. You gotta be doing something. And I was like, no, I cut hair. I save my money. I don't hang out. I don't drink. I don't party. I wanted a nice car. I put money to the side. I got a nice car. And he just, he, he couldn't see it because in our family, no one had a luxury car, you know? And it's interesting because my grandma had a T-top Camaro as a kid. So you would think that would be like his thing, but, the drug dealers that he knew had nice cars and rims and systems and things like that. And then his cousin that he grew up with, he couldn't see how I was able to do it, not doing those things. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard. That's changing your thinking and your position where you want to be and how you want to get there. It all depends on how you think about you you getting there.
1: Wow. And it kind of goes back to that video with those kids, right? if he allowed the distractions to continue to 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 grab a hold of him he is not going to be able to get to the finish line but like you said you know by him changing his thinking and removing those distractions or if your cousin would have ever you know kind of saw what you were doing and maybe changed his his uh thinking about wow you know what i mean you can do it this way
2: he 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 saw it he didn't want it. he he didn't it didn't make sense to him so the other thing that comes to mind is a poverty mentality. I think one of the biggest um, problems we have with poverty and poverty mentality is children out of wedlock, unplanned children. Um, and and, and let, me, let me let me tell you what I mean when I say that. There are some success stories from single moms who have raised their kids and done what they had to do. They're they're out there, but they're so small in comparison to the amount of people who. Have done it by themselves and tried to make a way. Scenario: mom, dad have a kid, dad leaves, mom leaves, whatever. One person is raising that child, right? They're trying to do everything they can to give them a better life, right? Not teaching them what they didn't have, but just trying to make it happen. So mom's financially struggling, dad's on child support, can't pay for the kid, dad can't get ahead, mom can't get ahead, kid is already set up for failure because he doesn't know how to get ahead. Right. And so now you have this same perpetual thinking. This cycle continues to happen. And um, I grew up in a welfare family. My mom was on welfare. Uh, We had Section 8 housing, so subsidized housing. Um, I didn't have a silver spoon. You know, I wasn't fed with a silver spoon. Um, You know, most of my clothing and my style came from my mom where she um, we would go to the second hand. So now it's thrift shop. Back then, it was embarrassing.
1: You know, it was the secondhand stuff. You know, well, I with you. we used, my mom used to buy me these, uh, these blue, like out of the, like we used to go to AMP, the grocery store AMP back in the day. And they had these bins of these blues, like track shoes. And they had like three stripes, like kind of like mimic like an Adidas. Yeah, yeah. I remember wearing those as a kid because we grew up in welfare too. We were yeah. poor, man. And, uh, I, I remember wearing those to school, and everybody else had a nice kick, and I had these, like, you know what I mean, fake me out Adidas, and it was it was <laughs> tough, man. It was fake, me out,
2: fake me out Adidas.
1: So but I'm, yeah, I'm sorry to hit him
2: No, nah, it's all good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's good. I'm glad you brought that up because it makes you think about the other things that you've experienced. And uh, my mom didn't have a car, and when she did, it was short-lived. You know, and my parents separated. My dad was always there for us. But, you know, he's on child support. Mom's trying to make it work. Um, and she's got responsibilities and she's got to work and then we're not there. So we're, you know, it's just the the challenges of dealing with that poverty mentality. Um, and so when I was, I mean, I, I I was a virgin. So I was 18 years old. Like I just didn't want to have any kids. Like I don't want no kids. I don't (laughs) want to have, and it always helps you to understand like when your parents are like, you know, I had to drop out of school because I had you at an early age. It sat with me and I was like, Okay. My real father didn't want me because he was a heroin addict. And it was like, okay, I don't want to use drugs. My dad who raised me uh, was an alcoholic. He abused my mom. So my mom and him separated. And then it's like, don't want to do that. So what? Wh- where do I go? What do I do? I had, I couldn't look to the left to my uncles. They were alcoholics. I couldn't look to the left to my dad or my two dads. I had one who made me and one who raised me. And they both were dysfunctional. I got my mom who's trying her hardest to to provide a good life for me and instill structure. You know, and um, I went to church and I went to a church where it was a youth program and I learned some stuff. I learned how to forgive. I learned how to, um, I learned that I couldn't control my circumstances and situations. But I had a sound mind. I can look at the fact that this isn't working that didn't work. What can I do differently? It's really hard being the first of anything to do anything. You're laughed at, you're ridiculed. You have to be crazy to try because nobody's going to think you're good enough to do it. Cause they haven't done it. And, um, to start a business, I was the first male graduate. I was the first to get a professional license. I, I may, I know I wasn't the first to get a driver's license. My dad had his license, but I was the first to get married first homeowner. Like, I was the first of a lot of things. So I made lots of good decisions, but I made so many mistakes because I couldn't go to anyone to say in my immediate family or my, my my extended family, how did you do it? I was the first. I had to find outside sources to change my thinking. My eighth grade principal changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. Wow. How do you do that? So she, she so, right. so, um, I was a little scrapper. My mom told me, uh, (laughs) you know, you're a small frame guy. You're too light to fight and too thin to win. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's a (laughs) t-shirt.
2: So she said to me, you have to, your offense needs to be your defense. You can't allow people in your space. If it looks intimidating, you strike first. That was her mentality, right? I learned later on that I could talk my way through things then. I was I was able to talk my way out of stuff. But initially, I would get in trouble. So I got in trouble for fighting, and I went to the principal's office. And um, I missed the bus, and then I'm complaining, see, you kept me from riding the bus. You kept me from that entitlement. It was because of you. Now I got to walk home, and you don't know how far it is from my house, blah, 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 blah. She gave me a ride in her BMW. She was the only black woman I knew that Uh, was a principal in any of the schools in our school district. Um, And the school I went to was predominantly white. So to me, I was like, "Whoa!" I've never met a black woman that had a BMW or was like a teacher or principal or anything like that. It was new to me. I was impressed by it. And so I kept getting in trouble, but not enough trouble. I was getting little trouble. And I kept going (laughs) to the office, right? But she was fine, too. So, so I kept going to her office, and there was one day, it's an interesting thing. She told me to shut up and sit down. So I was sitting across from her desk, and LL Cool J had a song out. You're jiggling, baby. Go ahead, baby. You're jiggling, baby. <laughs> so I'm singing the song, right? And she's writing something, and she stops, and she looks at me, and she's like, could you be quiet? Do you even know what that song means? And I said, absolutely. She said, "What? Well, what does it mean? I said. You're jiggling, baby. Go ahead, baby. You're jiggling, baby. So, so she started laughing, but our relationship changed at that point. She put her pen down, she closed the book, she pushed it to the side, and she asked me, She said, What is the what's the deal? Why do you keep getting in trouble? Why are you in my office every week now? For some little stupid throwing a pencil or throwing a piece of paper or skip that like, like walking out of class. And, and I said, You want me to be honest with you, Miss White? Her name is Karen White. She said I said, you want to be honest with you? She said, well, I said, I just want you to drive me home in your BMW again. Mm-hmm. And so I found something that was going to motivate me. Most kids, most people, they don't have that thing that's going to help motivate them. So you got to find the salt. My mom used to say, and I'm going to get right back to it. My mom used to say, you can take a horse to the well, but you can't make him drink, right? You've all heard that. Mm-hmm. And then she said to me, but if you put enough salt in his oats, you would convince the horse that it's thirsty all day long. And I was like, man, that's interesting, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, if you make him thirsty, he's going to drink. And then you can bet on that horse drinking when you get to the well because you made him thirsty. And so what happened was being in that BMW made me thirst for that. She didn't know it. I didn't really know it until she asked the right question. And too many times we have a good idea, we have a thought, we don't know how to put it in position or create it or make it happen until someone asks the right question. And then Eric, Eric Efex asks, he, he, says, he says, I'm scratching sniff. He said, you're so interesting to talk to because I can scratch you and then an aroma comes out. Like, you have something in there. <laughs> he said, you got something in there, but if it's not agitated, I won't know it's there. And so my mom shared that with me with the salt and the horse. I didn't know it, but looking back, I realized that's what the salt was. That car was the salt for me. And when I told my principal, uh, Miss White, she said to me, um, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. She pulled out my, my report card. She looked. She said, you suck in math. It just so happened she was a math teacher. And she said, you need to bring your grades up. If you bring your grades up, and you do well, I will drive you home for the rest of the year after the next semester. So what do you think I did? What it to tell? I kept drinking the water. <laughs> I kept thirsty. drinking the water. That was enough salt for me to get thirsty to drive in that BMW. And I learned so much, she, she altered my life. She changed my thinking, which then repositioned me. Because I was now thinking different. I was making better decisions. I wasn't getting in trouble. Because I was thinking different, because I had motivation now. That driving in that BMW was the motivation. She took me to see the Boys Harlem Choir, which required for me to dress up in the business uh, casual uh, with a blazer and a dress shirt and some shoes. I didn't have it. We didn't own it. We went to the secondhand store. My mom got it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so many things she taught me. She used to t- it's so interesting how this woman just really shifted my thinking. She used to take me on dates. When she would go on a date, she'd bring me along. What? She'd bring me along. And then I she would ask creepy. Me. She No, no, no. She'd ask me. I was her little, um, her little, um, uh, um, she was working. She was developing me. I was her project, if you will. But she would take me on a date. She'd go out to dinner and she'd bring me along. And then when the date was over, it was security for her. You can't come in for a uh, nightcap. <laughs> right, right? right. I got to drop him off at home. I don't know what happened after the fact. But on the ride home, she would say, what did you think about him? And I'll say, well, he was rude. He didn't open the door for you. You know, I didn't like the way he was talking to the waiter or the waitress. But she was grooming me prior to that. And then once I was learning that, I was able to identify the flaws in what he was not doing. So it helped me in relationship. This woman shifted my life, I'm telling you, in so many ways. She ended up marrying the guy, ended up divorcing him. Right. And I was looking for her for years. I tried to reach out. I couldn't find her. I finally found her through a friend who knew a friend who knew a friend. I sent her some flowers from Hawaii. And in the letter, I said, I don't know why you abandoned me, but I wanted to tell you that I appreciate everything you've done for my life. I'm this, I own a barbershop, I'm working at a school. I'm telling her all the stuff that I'm doing. If you're still interested in communicating with me, here's my email, my phone number. She calls me in tears. She says to me, Tyreek, I am so sorry that you felt that I abandoned you. And I said, I don't know what happened. We talked once a month after you moved and you got married. She said, my husband was very uncomfortable with you. What? Yep. He was very uncomfortable with you. And I don't know why, but, you know, I was a freaking kid. I was like 12 years old. But, <laughs> but maybe it's because he knew that I didn't like him. You know, I don't know. But she ended up divorcing him. But later on, he was abusive. Um, and, and she said, I should have listened to you when you told me he wasn't the right guy. Um, and then the flowers, she said, no one has ever sent me flowers like this. These guys better step their game up. We met. And then after meeting up, I inch, I, I, um, it's crazy. I I was taking a whole month of gratitude. It's something I had purpose to do. And I was reaching out to every person that has shifted my thinking. It's crazy that you're bringing, it's just there was I lit a match in, in, in high school and I almost got expelled. And the person who was going to expel me was the math teacher's daughter. And that was the class where that's the class where I lit the match. So like, wow. but, but she had the power to say, you can stay in the school or you're expelled. And so she, 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 she kept me in the school. So I saw her and I told her, thank you for keeping me in school. This is where I'm at in my life. I had different people, pastors, um, um, people in the community, and there was one guy in particular, he was an FBI agent. I used to cut his hair. And he moved to Virginia. I was driving through Virginia, just gave him a call and said, hey, Uncle John, what's up? He's like, hey, man, where you at, nephew? And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm headed down your way. He says, well, what exit are you? And I was two exits away from his house. I got off the road. We stopped at a restaurant. We sat eight. While we were eating, Karen White calls me. And I was like, oh, I'll call her later. And I was telling him, I just wanted to thank him for the influence he had in my life. And I said, I've been doing this month of gratitude, just reaching out to people that have helped me. And he goes, So um, so who? And I started naming people. He's like, Man, that's cool, nephew. And I said, The person who altered my life was my eighth grade uh, principal. Her name's Karen White. And he looked at me. He's like, How you know her? And I was like, She was my principal. And da 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 da. We started going on and on. He tells me that was the love of his life. No. I promise you. I had no idea. So then I said, Well, I'll call her right now. He's like, No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> so so i said well you know when i leave i'm going to call her he says you do that um he was so nervous i never seen this guy flustered ever fbi agent tough as nails flustered. <laughs> so i'm laughing i'm sitting across the table like cracking up i call I, I tell her i text her quick and i say hey let me find out every person i know has at some point has some sort of relationship with you has fallen in love with you or something She's like, whatever. She was, she was single, divorced, you know what I mean? And I said, um, yeah, what about John? And I said his last name. And she was like, blowing my phone up. He's like, do not answer that call. So I didn't answer it. When I left, I called her. She says, that was the love of my life. I've been looking for him for five years.
0: No way.
2: I swear to you. They got married. They live in Tampa.
1: What? No,
0: what?
2: Yeah.
1: That... Yeah. Oh my goodness. So now she's your aunt now. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> Go figure. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just Aww. interesting. Having an attitude of gratitude, man. Change your thinking. It's these people have changed the way I looked at life. What decisions I was going to make, both business, both personal, both relational. Um, all the above, I mean, and these different people were so instrumental in and helping to cultivate the type of thinking I needed to be successful. And I'm just talking about simple success, like not making millions of dollars. That's not what I'm talking about, but just being better than what life and what was projected for me to fall into the same poverty mentality that, you know, children out of wedlock, um, struggling and, and not being able to finish school. and not, That was what my life was set up for. None of my uncles graduated from high school. My parents didn't, gra- none of my parents graduated from high school. Like, that's what I was set up for. And I almost did it by lighting a match in high school. I almost got expelled from school. I was headed that direction.
0: It's amazing, like, uh, you know, to use the old analogy, uh, sliding doors, right? Like,
2: I never that- heard it. Share it with me.
0: Just sliding doors, like at at any moment, you know the door can slide and your life can can go in a a, a completely different uh, trajectory, right? And 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 to be not necessarily to be aware of it, but but you know looking back on 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 one's life, um, you can kind of see where the mistakes were or how your life changed mm-hmm. in that instant. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of crazy that that uh that 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 lighting of a match could have been you know. We're not sitting with Tyreek. It's funny, as
1: we wind this down, everybody who's listening now understands what I was saying in the beginning, how blown away I am about this guy.
2: Completely. You know, I I, I appreciate it, man. I I think the key is authenticity. Too many people, especially with social media, they want to do the thing. They want to look like the person on the stage. They want to look like the person who has the success and the car and the, the but they don't want to do the thing. They want to look like and say, Oh, I want to teach, I want to be on the platform. No, they want to they want to look like the person who's on the platform with the shoes and the belt and the outfit and have the experiences, but they haven't put themselves in a position to have those experiences. And um I, I definitely focus on. Just telling my story, my genuine life, and the experience that I'm pulling these stories and analogies from because they're really my life. It's really what I have experienced. You know, I can't, I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty decent storyteller, but I can't Mm -hmm. tell your story in the way that you can tell it. You know? know, and there's a lot of people that are regurgitating great quotes. And reciting quotes of great people in the past. But there's not a lot of these new influencers that are really coming from a place of experience. And it's cool to say, yeah, I believe in so-and-so. And you know, my favorite speaker, Les Brown, said blah, 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 blah. And it's cool to do that. But where is your story? Where is your quote? Where's your defining moment and the quote that changes your life because it comes from a real place of authenticity and not recited cool quotes that make sense and make people like oh that was good
0: what don't you think in those quotes they're looking for their own place too
2: oh we'll say that again
0: like look like like by reciting those quotes they're looking for their own place
2: right, right? but I'm, I'm okay with that like that's that's uh, I do it. And when I pull somebody else's quote, I'll say so-and-so said this and here's how I adopted that idea. I I get it. What I'm saying is you guys, older guys, your experience, you have experiences, right? You have young kids, 20, 21 years old that are reciting quotes and doing things and saying that they've, and they've had some level of success at their age, but that process has been expedited because of social media. The process has been expedited because, um, Uh, technology has made that easy accessibility, easy communication, easier, but they don't have the, 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 the the foundation I mentioned earlier on my live this morning was there was a girl. I know her. She, she had a shop and she wants to figure out new ways to make money. So she decided to do um, a, um, what do you call that? Oh, a business online business training class. And I'm listening to her like, she's like, hey, Tyreek, I want you to be on my business class and I want you to, to teach it. And I'm gonna put this app together and I want you to be able to teach on it. Would you be willing to do that? And I'm like, what do you mean? Bottom line is she says, I'm gonna be teaching business, but she only been open for a year. And then like six months later, she closed her business and then moved in her house and was doing business out of her house. I'm not saying she doesn't have a business. What I am saying is that How do you teach business classes using people's quotes, people's ideas, other people's strategies to try and teach something that you don't fully believe or haven't fully went through the process, learn it, understand it, know it, and have grown and have the fruit to do it. It's cool to start a business, great. Talk to me in a year, talk to me in five years, talk to me in 15 years. Have you had longevity? Have you been able to scale it? Have you been able to grow it? Did you have to downsize? What did you do to downsize? Did you have to sell out? What did you do to sell? What have you done? That one year gives you some experience. But when these, when you have the guys that don't even have any of that, but right. they got all these amazing quotes trying to find something, mm-hmm. there's nothing to support it. There's no foundation underneath it, other than reciting some cool quote.
0: Well, I think what you said was understanding. You know, teach me what you understand. Don't teach me what you quote.
2: Right. That's all
0: right. it. I think on that note. On that note,
2: yep.
0: once again, Mr. Tyree Jackson, it's always a pleasure talking to you. It's always a pleasure catching up. And uh, how can everybody uh,
2: find you? So all of my social media is I am Tyree Jackson. I-A-M-T-Y-R-I-K-J-A-C-K-S-O-N. I do my Instagram is probably where the the largest platform is for me um, with uh, terms of engagement. And so I do a live every Tuesday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Um, I've got people from London, UK, Australia. They're tuning in. Hawaii, it's 3 in the morning in Hawaii, and people are tuning in live. Wow. Um, and so that's where you'll probably get the most of me. I'm always putting myself in the stories and what I'm doing, what, what things I'm doing. So they get to see the actual process of stuff. A little bit of my family, but the page is generally what Tyreek is, what he represents, what he does. And the coolest thing is authenticity. I mean, you can look at it, and I love it when someone goes to somebody else, they know I'm like, yo, is this guy serious? Is this really how and they're like, yeah, this is the real deal. Like this is yeah, this is exactly who he is.
0: You know, Tyreek, we've actually had that conversation with different people, you know, and like and, and I think that that's a that's a uh true testament of you because it, it 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 doesn't seem real. It seems like you're 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 uh, as you put it, a quote stealer you know but, <laughs> but you yeah. but you're the real deal man and like in Truly. you know the 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 time that we've got to spend together you know both uh video wise and uh when we we've got to hug it out a little
2: bit uh yeah in dc oh,
0: there. in dc and in orlando yeah yeah so uh so uh, so to that note once again Terry, thank you very much we hope to have you on real soon again um we love what you're doing we love uh we love how you're supporting not just the industry but just um people in general and and, and certainly uh, <laughs> As I said on the uh, the Utes, you know. <laughs> thank you for supporting the Utes. Um, <laughs> thanks yeah, a lot, man. We ain't talk like that in my neighborhood.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terry, thank you. Thanks again, and uh, uh, hope to talk to you soon. And thank you for joining us on your day off.